0: philo community we're back i know it's only been a week since our last podcast was released but we've got another one that we recorded live at the philo conference that we wanted to share for those of you who are new to our little podcast our goal is to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective at what we do so that our churches can become more effective it mean it's basically an extension of the philo conference all year round every three weeks just about Anyway, uh, before we get too far into the podcast, I wanted to talk about what a great experience I had at the Philo conference this year. And one of the challenges of putting on a conference is not giving into the temptation to keep making it bigger and in air quotes, better each year, trying to outdo ourselves. And so for us at the Philo conference, it's been about, you know, the goal has been to make it as good as last year, different, trying to make it different, but not trying to outdo ourselves. So we're always trying to improve things, but also be true to what has mattered to us since the beginning, which is community, skill development, and inspiration. And along these lines, one of my favorite moments was at the very end. So the last session ended and my two buddies from Sweden, Johan and Alban, came up to me and thanked, thanked me for doing Philo and following God's call in my life. And these guys have been to every year of Philo. So starting in 2015, they've been to four of them. And they said uh, at the end of this one that it still felt like the same event uh, from way back in 2015, that the heart of the event was still intact. And even though there are more people and it felt so gigantic in 2018, I mean, that really meant a lot to me that they said that. And Albin and Johan, they also put on an event in Sweden each year called Swedish Gurus or this year SG18, I think is what their event would be called. And I've been a few times And God is really using these two to pour into the technical artists of Sweden. Uh, It's totally cool. Anyway, they commented to me that Philo gives them the inspiration to keep going with what God has them doing in Sweden. And so that was also really great to hear and humbling, so humbling. And this is just kind of one example of the people who came up to me and told me similar stories of how God reached them at Philo Conference And for those of you who talk to me about your experience, thank you. I mean, for me, it's really the fuel that keeps me going. This is why we're doing it, so that we're creating an opportunity for God to show up in people's lives. So when you tell me about it, that means that uh, God is using what we're doing. So, you know, file conference is a ton of work, and it's good to know that it's actually worth it. So, um, okay, let's get on to our episode for this week. We recorded a podcast in front of an audience at the Philo Conference, so our friends from last week's podcast episode, Caleb Wilcox and Aubrey Wentz, were involved interviewing one of our main session speakers, Chris Brown, and one of my good friends and Philo advocate and Chris Brown's right hand when it comes to technology, Dennis Choi. And so we got them together to talk about their relationship as senior pastor and technical artist in their local church and yeah some interesting stuff here some really good stuff so let's listen in here why don't we start well, with the first with our first question let's start be with great. our first question great. so 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 to to
1: establish your relationship what we want to ask you to do is introduce each other so dennis you need to tell us all about chris and chris you need to tell us all about dennis so uh dennis you look like you don't know what to say so we're gonna start with chris and, and tell us all about Dennis. how much time he, we got what makes him tick what do you love about him
2: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Philo Philo Broadcast, Mr. Dennis Choi. Let me tell you a few things about Mr. Dennis Choi. He is a guru when it comes to church media, audio, install, all kinds of words I don't understand. But he understands how to do it with no budget, which we thrive on at North Coast. And some of you are forced to do. Um, So we don't like him coming to these conferences and looking behind the scenes at how most churches really work and operate. Um, So not only is he a genius in that level, and he makes—North Coast is a jacked-up church. Uh, So we have 52 services a weekend. 52 church services a weekend. And this is the brainchild um, behind getting that from four services to 12, to 20, to 30, to oh my Lord, how many, and now 52. Let me tell you, though, what I love about this guy. On top of that, he's one of my closest friends in the world. Um, We share office space, not really, but side-by-side. He is my go-to guy. Uh, He's got a little couch in his office, not just for naps, but when I need to sit down and blow off steam. Um, He has become a counselor, an advisor. He's a guy that's just saved me in my marriage. He's a guy that, no, he's been a good friend uh, through the years. And his leadership is absolutely phenomenal. We lucked out with one of those tech guys that has incredible leadership that we realized, if we can find Dennis just to our audio, video, IT communications area, North Coast has lost out hugely. Um, So now he's one of the lead pastors at our church, even though those are the main global areas he's over. He speaks into all decision making, vision casting, finance, where we're going, what we're doing. He serves on that strategic leadership team and uh, he's one of the funnest guys to do road trips with, and he asked me six months if I'd show up and come here, and he's the only reason I'm here. So if you don't like the last session of the day, it's on this guy, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dennis Choi.
3: Whoa. Beat that sucker. I wanna make sure people understand something in this room. Extrovert? introvert. What? Okay, so, when were you going to tell me so, this? <laughs> publicly? You announce so, this? So my answer is going to be a lot shorter than his, just so you know. Okay. Um, three words or less. <laughs> um, this is
4: Chris. The, Chris
3: Brown, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. The other Chris Brown. The, uh, Chris Brown and I have known each other for 15 years. 15 years. Really? Uh-huh. That's Why would weird. I lie about that, especially uh, publicly? The, the first time I met Chris Brown... Oh, no, I don't even know this story. <laughs> you do know this story. Chris Brown walks into my office. This was after the service, after the weekend service. He had just taught all weekend for the first time. Comes in my, he looks for me, comes in my office, and he says, hey, uh, we've we got to talk. I said, oh, okay. Uh, no, we need, to go, we need to go in your office and talk. And, and my eyes are like this. Uh, what in the world does he want to talk about? And uh, he and we just had some issues at our church, and, and in my mind, my mind is racing, thinking we just hired a guy. What's going on? We're in big trouble. This is not going to be good. He sit, he comes to my office. He sits down. He closes the door, and he sits down. He closes the door first, and then he sits down. And uh, he puts his 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 hands, his head in his hands, and he says, "I just I just don't know what to do." And I said, "Again, my mind, what?" In the world's going on i said well what tell tell me about it what's going on he's like i just i just i'm not sure i'm not sure what to do and uh i said well just just say it just say it man just we can be truthful be honest and he says i just i'm not sure if i should go with a plasma tv or an led i i'm just not in the size it's just throwing me off i could you help me and and right then i knew what kind of relationship we were going to have for the rest of our lives at north coast church purely usury <laughs>
2: just, that was a big decision that we just so. moved down from la and i didn't know what to put on and there was, was a, back then samsung had the little dlp wheel right, and then there's right. plasma there was, was a
3: lot of going on i figured at that you could time. help me you, and and i did didn't i
1: and how was his advice did the did it was it the right choice Still, the TV's still working, so that's good. It's fifteen years working. later, <laughs> you haven't upgraded. upgraded your TV in fifteen years.
2: No, <laughs> wow. When you get something amazing. from Dennis, you don't need to upgrade. <laughs> You're set.
4: <laughs> Forever. Um, so, just for the sake of the audience understanding yes. a little bit, can you? What are your actual titles and your role or roles? What are the function, the roles that you play, so they can understand how you guys relate to each other in terms of your organization?
2: Oh, we didn't even say that when we introduced
3: each other. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris Brown, lead pastor, North Coast Church. Uh, We have a teaching team. Chris teaches majority of the time. I'd say, what, 50% of the time. Um, And uh, leads uh, our staff um, on a daily basis operationally. Um, He is, uh, this is the serious part, he is truly a friend. um, But the thing I love about Chris more than anything is he can be as honest um, as he wants to be with me about anything. Um, he will come in my office closed door like we had to talk about the TV, but other serious things. And I appreciate uh, his honesty is, and his trust uh, is, is why our relationship uh, thrives.
4: Great. You're on. Do you know what Dennis' title is?
2: Dennis, really good <laughs> at stuff I don't understand. Um, Dennis used to be a tech director, used to be sort of overall global media, audio, video, tech, IT, communications, graphics, um, and really with five campuses, 52 services, uh, to give you a scope, we run about 12 12- Thousand twelve thousand five hundred 12,500 a weekend, 532 staff. That's not full-time, just all stipend. And he really is global leader on that. We just did a whole reshift, reorg, restructuring, and uh, moved Dennis from kind of that lead position to really lead pastor at North Coast Church. So even though... I may be a senior guy, lead pastor. We have 11 lead pastors, and we really feel like doing church leadership in a team approach is much healthier than doing it individually. I don't mean to block you out on this. Um, And so Dennis is one of those lead pastors that truly is... uh, part of the court of five that does all decision making for North Coast now too so Dennis started early on as a junior high guy then they needed some tech stuff and he decided to volunteer in the tech world and then we started doing some overflow rooms Um, North Coast was the first to do video venues it was a mistake it was by accident and Dennis was doing the overflow trying to make it we all know an overflow room is a punishment for people that show up late and so Dennis turned that from an overflow room really helping make that into a venue now they're called and then the next venue and then the next venue and then the next and truly became our global resident audio video specialist but because of his leadership and personality we kept putting more and more and more on his plate and now one of the lead pastors north coast church so let me
1: ask you this chris so there's a lot of tech guys here dennis you started as a tech guy what were some things that you did over those 15 years that made leadership kind of realize like okay you have a lot of leadership and we're going to keep giving you more and more responsibilities and you have something to offer beyond just technology. What were some of the practical things that you saw? Like, so as, as these, uh, people think about, you know, maybe what what they want to do next, where they want to go, whether that's a lead pastor or just some kind of movement to more responsibility in their role. What are the things that you saw in Dennis that demonstrated like, Hey, he can take on more. He has a heart
2: for our church and we want to give him more of a role. And, and really in a question, if you're in a tech, if you're audio, if you're video, if you're in worship, if you're on the creative team, what I look for is someone that was not just a problem solver, but how do they solve the problems? There's a lot of people that can solve the problem, but in their wake, there's a lot of dead bodies in the rearview mirror because of who they took out or who they ran over. And I'm glad you solved the problem, but in Dennis's wake, there was relationship, respect, and trust, which allowed me to continually see, man, this guy is bound for leadership. Um, not just tech, not just creative, not just programming. All those are incredible places. But I saw his leadership, relationally, being far more important than just the area he was in. So I would say for you, it's not just that you're solving problems, it's how, how you're solving problems. And for me, being such a huge extrovert in relationship, my number one thing is, how does he work with me? And I've always felt like I could trust Dennis with me when I wasn't in the room. And as a leader, that is huge. Um, if the team was gonna say something about me and I wasn't in the room, I could trust if Dennis was in that room, it'd be handled right. I always trusted that when I left the room, Dennis didn't roll his eyes, look at his team and go, what a, you can fill in the blank, whatever your language and Protestant, Reformation, background, Catholic, whatever you fill in there. What a Philistine. So I always trusted that. And I always felt relationship-wise was, man, if I could trust a guy with relationship, he not just solved problems, but how he solved problems, we can go to the moon and back.
4: So Dennis, I- I think that's so great. And Why how, is this so
3: much about me? What's going on?
2: It's a, it's
3: I'm going to ask you a question about <laughs> oh, Chris. <okay>. You ready? <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. Um, I hear Chris say that, you know, when he would leave the room, he could trust that you were going to really uphold his name and his leadership. But I'm sure there were times when a decision was made or something was happening that felt frustrating. What was that yes. like for you? What kind of process did you have to run with him internally with your own processing of it in order to still be able to behold his name and his leadership with the rest of the team? that's
3: good. That's a good question. I think uh, I'm going to be real careful how I answer this question. (laughs) Um, No, I think uh, really the the core of that question, um, Aubrey, is, again, like Chris said, it's a trust factor and that I think people need to understand you're going to disagree with ideas and ways to do things, right? But if our core trust is in what we want to do, it's just maybe we differ on how we want to do it, that's okay, right? Then you have to work through that. How do you work through that? Well, I want to fully understand why Christ wants to do it this way in particular. Is there a certain... Maybe that's all he knows. Maybe with his... Uh, unlimited knowledge, Uh, uh, it's limited in some sense, and he only knows, I've only seen it done this way, so I need to have a conversation with Chris and say, so explain a little bit more, What's, what's that about? Is that something you saw, is that something you did, or is it just a gut, and let's go with the gut? And if I can understand it, then I can explain it to other people and teams, but if I just, off of my gut, go, that's a lame idea, we're not gonna do that, and I walk away and not try to understand, well, that's when things start breaking down. That's when the trust breaks down because I don't really understand why. And so we have a relationship, like I said, where he can say anything to me and I think I can say anything to him and it's, it's open and honest and thrown on the table. But when we leave the room, it's we, not they. When we leave that room, it's we made a decision. We talked about this, not he talked about it. Man, that's a late, he thinks we should do this. He, it's, no, it's, it's us, we're together.
1: I've decided, so. So you talk a lot about this communication, getting into it, like how each other is thinking, and that takes a lot of time and conversations. Like talk about your, your weekly relationship. Like how many hours do you spend a week planning together? Um, what does that environment look like? What does the conversation look like? And how do you stay on the same page and uh, you know, so that you can push forward this
2: unified vision? And and here's the frustrating part, even as I hear Dennis talk and I look at this room, anything I have to say in this conversation should really be for that senior leader, lead pastor, senior pastor because um, I think a lot of people, men and women in this room, are going to hear that and be frustrated and go, well, we don't have that relationship. Well, that doesn't happen. And I think... I think that's something the senior leader has to understand and realize that's a shame. I mean, I have never seen Dennis, I've never seen Josh, I've never seen Daniel, um, two of our uber excellent, incredible guys that just make North Coast happen. I've never seen those guys as tools to complete my mission and my mission and my vision. I've never seen them as guys to fulfill what I wanna do. Um, we are all on a team fulfilling a kingdom vision and mission. And to do that, you have to put in the relationship time. And I've seen them just as valuable to North Coast as I am. I may be the guy up front teaching. I may be the guy up front doing the stories, the narrative stuff. But without them, North Coast fails. Without them, my message goes as far as my voice can carry, and that may be 13 people deep, and we're done. And I think there's the problem, I think, with what I would add relationship to answer yours is that has to be done with the lead pastor understanding you've got to build relationship with this team. I can be as critical as I want with Dennis to the degree I have a relationship with Dennis and when you- When you've got a senior leader that's critical with you and they don't have that degree of relationship with you, well, things are gonna break. And I shouldn't trust Dennis with my reputation and my name if that's how I'm treating him. Um, The reason why I trust Dennis is I know the relationship capital I've built with him, what I've put in, the amount of top golf outings we've done, the amount of trips we've gone on, the amount of food we've eaten late at night. That's what I look at and go, okay, because of that relationship capital, this is what I can do. And when I talk to senior leaders, they're like, well, that's because you're an extrovert. I mean, you're such a crazy relationship guy i'm like i am but dennis doesn't have to be one of those guys i pour relationship into i I choose that and because your leader is an introvert and maybe not that extroverted i'm I'm just sick and tired of hearing leaders blame sin issues on their myers-briggs and say because i'm not an introvert i don't have to love my staff that's like an extrovert saying well i can say racial thoughts out loud because i'm just an extrovert no you're an idiot um, so let's understand our character, but understand how do we love and do this as a team? And so for those of you that are in a place and go, I don't have that relationship, I would just put the onus on you and go, is that allowed? Maybe you have a senior pastor that's not a huge extrovert. Maybe he's not a big relationship person, he or she. Can you ask, hey, is there a time when we can grab a lunch? and just love to hear about you know, what you're doing at the church, where this thing's going, how, just on a relation. Hey, is there a time that we can sit and just talk? Maybe that's a no, and, and that would be unfortunate, but maybe on your end say, man, how can we build that? Because when we're relationally good and deep, then the the junk of ministry can fall on that, and that bridge is strong enough to maintain it. Right.
3: When you, when you have trust, uh, you, you can say anything to anybody if there's a baseline of trust, but if there's not trust, no matter what you say with the other person, Uh, it'll be taken the wrong way. It'll be a miscommunication. It won't be understood because I don't know where that person's coming from. I don't know if they're mad at me. I don't know if they're not mad at me. And one of the things Chris does is he does a talk, he teaches, he does this training with some of our staff and different people, school of ministry, and he calls it Chips in the Bank. And uh, it's this idea that... um, uh, you've got to put chips in the bank in a relationship with anybody. And those, that extends, and again, you see he's, an, he's an introvert, but he doesn't have all the time in the world. But you will see Chris take a different path to his desk or his office almost every day. And he'll come into the church, of a big campus, he'll walk in a different way almost every day. And it's on purpose to walk by one of those staff people or volunteers that, that he doesn't normally get to see if he, if he comes the same route every single day, just to stop and say, hey, how you doing? Checking in with him, putting a couple chips in the bank. Because some, someday that relationship, he might have to have a hard conversation with that person. But without any relationship, where it's coming from, it's like, what's this coming from? I don't even know who you are. I've never even met you in person before. And, and I, that's something I've taken away and used over and over again and have talked to our teams about because it's, it's really a conscious thing you have to do. Even if you're an extrovert, it's, it's actually something conscious you need because
1: there's a time issue involved with that too. Yep. So good for I was just thinking about each person here in, in a technical capacity. How many times have you walked into your auditorium and walked right past your a volunteer, walked right past another a, a band member or whatever, and because you're busy doing something and you, you you just miss out on those opportunities to build that relationship, whether it's in production or in kids ministry or whatever, I mean this trickles
2: down through the whole organization of being intentional with building these it's kind of relationships. And let me just, I don't want to stereotype this group at all. I know I'm dealing with a bunch of creatives. I know a lot of creatives are more on the tech side. I do understand that a lot of creatives on the tech side can be far more introverted. Um, but let me just push on you. You play a role in your organization. It's an incredible role. Your volunteers, your greeters, um, your host, they see you as that person. I mean, you're the person behind the knobs, the switches, the toggles, the dials. You can understand I have no idea what I'm talking about. But I know you're that person. You're behind the camera. You're behind the curtain. You're behind the program. You're behind the genius, the creativity of it. You play a role in the organization. Because of that, you have chips held by the people that attend and volunteers. You be the one to maybe break out of a mold and say, man, I'm just gonna say hi. You know, again, let's not use the way God made us as an excuse not to love others. We're all called to love others, and that wasn't for extroverts or highly relational people, that's for all of us to break out of that mold, and for you to do that. Now again, going back, that's one of the things I look at in our tech team and go, man, Daniel Rhodes is another one of those guys. Daniel Rhodes is just, and just par excellence in what he puts together with our sound, with our lighting, running our edge venue, our live venues. I mean, he's just changed the entire atmosphere in those rooms of North Coast. Here's what I love about Daniel Rhodes. Our K1 people love Daniel Rhodes. Our junior high staff loves Dan Rhodes. Um, Our maintenance people, facility people love Dan Rhodes. I can't find someone at North Coast who doesn't like Dan Rhodes. Um, And I'm like, man, that to me is huge. Now I got a guy who can live behind a console, do his job incredibly well, but because of who he is and how he does it, the way this guy is thought of and respected at North Coast is huge. So when he graduated and he was about to get married, when Dennis is like, man, we can't lose this guy. We got to find a way to bring him on full time. It was the shortest, biggest, no-brainer conversation we had. Um, because immediately, I'm already invested in this guy because how he's invested, not in his area, but how he's invested in the church. And he's not the most extroverted guy. What's your Myers-Briggs? He you don't even know. See? Cheers. So
4: I think what's, to pull out a couple of things that you guys have just been talking about is... It would be easy for us as uh, tech people to point the finger at our lead pastors, our senior pastors, and say it's on them to build relationship. Love that calling us out to say, why don't you initiate relationship? But I think, too, for us to have right expectations of what building relationship looks like. You've said a number of times you don't fully understand the intricacies of what Dennis does. So if Dennis comes to a lunch and says, by the end of this lunch, Chris is going to understand how our video system is wired up. That would be an unfair expectation. That'd
2: be a nine-month lunch. That'd be a long time. But
4: your understanding of the intricacies of his work is not the content of your relationship. Relating to each other as brothers in Christ, as friends, that's what comes first. I don't want to
2: understand the intricacies of his work. If I did, I would fire him. Right. Because then I could do it. I want people that, that excel in areas I couldn't even begin to understand. They make us better. And then my job is just to keep pushing him down the field.
4: So, Dennis, I want to ask you this question because I could imagine, based on some of the lack of relationship, if these people heard that, I don't want to know what you do, they could be hurtful. But what's it been like for you to process and come with the right expectations? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, accurate. But, I take that back. But how do you process I really, it? I really want to know what no, you do. No, it's good. Let
2: me tell you.
4: <laughs> no, it's good. It's no, honest. But how do you it process good. it then? Right. You it's know? good.
3: You know, what? here's what Chris wants to know. Uh, he doesn't want to know how this device works. He might want to know, how long is it going to take your team to do this if I make a, a change? How long is it going to affect your team? How much more time are you going to have to put because I want to do something different? And that, to me, it's all about caring for the people, not the actual, hey, Chris, I'm going to spend a million dollars. Oh, really? Um, okay. Well, what's it going to do? Well, it's going to help. It's going to cut our time in half on the weekends in processing video. Wow, that might be worth it then.
2: No, we don't, we don't no, have no, We, no, we no. Would never do. That's just like $150. Yeah,
3: okay. $10. I want to spend $10 next weekend. Now we're going. But his question <laughs> is always about what is that going to do for our team or our people? right? Or how is the church going to grow using it? And, and that's the, that's the piece. It's like, he doesn't care about what the device can do. He just wants to know, is it save our guy's time? Does it not save? Are they going to be able to go home to their wives earlier if we do that? And those are the answers that I have
2: to have. That's not really good. how does it work. Because I, I know what he does. I have no clue what he does. I know what he does, but he, I mean, he's the guy that told me about rendering. We get done with the Saturday night service. And I'm like, oh man, this happened in the middle of it. Is there any way we can edit this out and do it? And he's like, he's always like, yeah, we can do that. But then after the second or third time, because that Saturday night service has to go to 30 different sites the next day, um, he talks to me about rendering. And I go, what, what do you mean? Well, we got these guys here, it's probably, I said, it's just an edit, right? I take this out, you clip it, it's done. What, 45 seconds? We can do this. He talks about rendering and what you do and what happens and that on Saturday night, someone's gonna be there for three to four hours. Now immediately I go, well then forget it. I mean, because I, I don't wanna know what happens, but like he says, what's this do to our team? He's like, you know what? It'd be healthier if we don't do it this way, but this way, I will choose health over efficiency all so, day long. So
4: I think this is so important because I've, I have been a bystander to so many conversations where I have watched a technical director get asked a question by a lead pastor about something with the service, and they go into all the, it's beautiful explanation of what they do in the intricacies, and you get this glazed over look, and then you're officially, you're not building a relationship, and you're not going to get to the outcome you're hoping for. But so, even what I hear in that story is, the first couple times you just said, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. When did the switch flip in you where you realized, I don't think Chris is realizing what this means. What happened that caused you to finally decide to tell him about rendering?
3: Well, again, I, I, know, I think I know Chris a little bit, and I know that he cares about our staff. At some point, I realized he needs to understand the time it will take into some of these guys. Like if we do it every single weekend, if it's a one-time shot, it's a one-time shot. If it's like, well, I want to start doing this every weekend, how is that going to affect the team? And that's when I realized I've got to tell him, not the process, but, but what and how long it takes and why. And if there's, if there's more resources, we could spend more money and it could save our guys time or it could make things simpler. Or do it, It's always about that process. And that's the thing. I mean, I didn't say it earlier. I meant to say it. But you know, Chris is one of those guys, not just with me, but he does it with me. He doesn't ask me how I'm doing. He asks my wife how I'm doing. He asks my wife how she's doing. And that's the thing. That's what makes it so real. It's not, hey, yeah, I'm doing great. I'll see you later. He'll catch my wife in the plaza or something, and he'll ask her. He'll say, hey, he's been gone a lot. Is that, how's that going for you? Right? And that's a true sign of, of a guy that cares in a, in a relationship. So,
4: it's great. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so you guys have obviously built this relationship over time and have a really good, great um, connection and rapport, but certainly there have been times when things, like, kind of dinged the relationship. Yeah. Something happened that didn't go right or kind of felt icky or, or uh, yeah, Dennis is making a face. So how do you then go about repairing that relationship? So you had something, something happen, and now you have to rebuild. What do you do to kind of get back to that place where you were with your trust and your relationship? Uh, you know, I, I, to be
3: honest, I can't think of like, whoa, this was a moment. And, but, you know, I've had Chris come to my office and he'll say, hey, what happened this weekend? What, what was going on? Help me, help me understand, or, you know, or somebody was upset. And here's what I love about Chris more than anything is, he didn't wait two days, he didn't wait a week, he didn't wait five months, he came as soon as he heard it, as soon as he, you know, maybe he didn't hear it a week later, but as soon as he heard something, he'd go, hey, what was going on, what was the deal with that? And, and he didn't gather a bunch of them up and say, wow, there's some unhealthiness going on, here's five examples of what happened. I mean, he's immediate to go,
2: man, just tell me what's going on, give me, give me the answer. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember a time where our relationship got dinged. I can, I can recall times we got into frustration situations, but it's sort of like a healthy marriage. Don't take that way too far. There are many times my wife and I will look at what we're doing or how, what we're doing with one of our kids. I got a 17, 15, and 13-year-old now, Ooh. and frustration. Yeah, that brings <laughs> some friction. So there are many times Amy and I aren't seeing eye-to-eye eye on things, but the relationship never took a ding. I mean, the relationship was never in jeopardy, but how we were doing it. And I feel like, you know, in our restructure, this last year, there's been some issues with Dennis and I. They weren't about each other, but they were issues we were both in that I knew were frustrating him or me. And that's where you just sit down and go, we're gonna have this out. Here's what I want you to hear. I'm listening to this podcast going, man, you two are like Batman and Robin. You guys have this relationship. No, 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 this is our staff relationship. I think, I think I would have this exact same conversation with, in my head I'm trying to go through, with at least um, 26, 27 of our top leaders right now. This would be the exact same relationship. This is what we try to do as a team and go, and, and here's what I would encourage you with. Why relationship is more important than your job and what you do. You spend more time with the people you work with than the people that you choose to love and brought into this world. Waking hours. Waking hours. If you don't count the hours you sleep. I have to spend more time with him than I do with my wife and kids. When you just look at our waking hours. So when you do the math, this better be good because he's taken me away from the love of my life and my three kids. When I look at my high school pastor, my junior high pastor, our finance guy, one of our other lead pastors, a campus pastor, this better be good because for 50, 60, 65 hours a week, I have to be with them instead of the people that I love most in this life. It is not worth it for this to be friction. And that's what I would encourage, and that's part of this Christian command that we've been given. How do you love each other in the body? And it, So when you look at your team and go, oh, that guy. Well, what about that guy? Now get me, there are personalities on our staff that sometimes drive me crazy. So I have to spend an inordinate amount of time to go, why do I like you? I have to remind myself why I like you and what you do, and then I go, oh, my gosh, I love this guy or I love this girl. They drive me batty, but that's M- a Most of those are
3: not on the tech
2: team, though, right? Most No, of those. not okay, on the tech team. Sure. We're talking about worship. Yeah. And so <laughs> there are personalities, though. I just go, oh, and I step back, and I remember who they are, who made them, whose they are, what they do for the kingdom. And I realize, man, I love them for what they do for the church. I love being on a team with them. They're just a personality type. So we might not hang as much, but I give special attention, like a 1 Corinthians 12, I give special attention to the parts of the body that maybe you don't see and just go, because that's gotta be healthy. And so just really to put in your minds, the people you work with, you spend more time with than anybody else, it, is, it goes against you not to have those relationships. If at all possible, pursue those relationships because the healthier you can get, the deeper they got, the more you can do the junk of ministry and the better you will be in that environment. Don't sit back and expect them to do it because they have a different title or position.
3: Chris always talks about uh, when we're going to hire somebody, no matter what position, position it is, he'll say to me, he'll say, hey, is this somebody you can spend the next 10 years with? I'm not talking about the role that you want or the skilled person that you need. We need to look at those things. But the most important thing is, can you hang with this person for the next 10 years? Because that's who we want to hire. We don't want to hire a guy filling a hole or a gap. We want somebody on a team for life.
2: So when when we go through a hiring process, um, 60% of that process is social. Uh, We're going to look at the character. We're going to look at the competency big time. Um, But chemistry trumps everything. I will take a B plus player that we love hanging out with over an A plus player that rubs us the wrong way every day of the week. And so how do you know that schedule one multiple visits if you can get away with it. But like we got a guy coming out this weekend. He's got three dinners and a pool party that he and his wife have to. He's five hours, five to six hours at a pool party with about 25 of our staff. There's no one Q&A at the time. You're just hanging out. At the end of that five hours, I guarantee you, our team is going to have an opinion of this guy and his wife. And he could just get tens across the board in everything. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) It'll come
3: out after the interview. It'll come out after. Um,
2: Hypothetically. Hypothetically, we have an interview. (laughs) Um, He could get tens across the board, and if that social time with his spouse and our spouses and our kids and the pool party... If he doesn't play jungle ball in the pool well with the rest of the team, and I've seen it, I've seen phenomenal staff that we were raving about, and the dinner with spouses, and the social time hanging out, I knew we're not gonna make the offer, and I had the envelope in my hand. We're not gonna make the offer.
4: We wanted to see if any of you had any questions for Dennis and Chris at all. Anybody have any questions? She's coming, she's coming. I have a question for you, actually. So being a woman leading in tech, a lot of the times building, we talk about building relationships with volunteers, fantastic. That might not end up being the most appropriate situation to do one on one. So how do you do that in an appropriate fashion? Yeah. I think for me, there are locations around our building where it's okay for me to meet out in public with just one of our male volunteers. And obviously the content of what we talk about, I need to be careful about that. I might ask some more uh, in-depth personal questions of a female volunteer than I would of a male volunteer. If I'm concerned about what's going on in a male volunteer's life, I'll probably invite another staff member along with me, a male staff volunteer. We do a lot of things in pairs like that on our team. It'll be me and our tech director, Nick, we'll go together together to meet because he we have some female volunteers that he needs to meet with and then he'll say hey could you come with me and then it's on me to make sure I'm also building relationship with those volunteers so it's not weird if we're coming together to our meeting um, I think making sure you've got another either male staff member or a key volunteer that you can say hey I want to make sure I'm connecting with everybody on our team can we do that together I think that's a great way to go about it so that you're not missing out on those relationships but still making sure you're connecting that's a great question and it's definitely challenging yeah for sure who else has a question
2: Oh hi. Um, wanted to find
3: out with all the things we do at our church, um, if the, if we have everything in a pile and everything's going great in our teams and our leadership and everything like that, when we get down to uh, feeling what the spirit is like in our room and in our churches and we're touching people's hearts and bringing people in and stuff like that, what does that feel like after you at, at the end of the day when you've accomplished all those things?
2: What's our personal feeling of what it feels like? I drive, I park from the furthest entrance on our campus and I park one of the furthest spaces back in our parking lot um, simply so I have to walk the furthest to my car at the end of the day and I never leave the closest exit. I always drive past the furthest exit. It does two things. It allows me to take all of what happened that weekend and hopefully that walk gets it out of my head. This had nothing to do with you. Don't be one of those jerks that thinks your giftedness is your giftedness. By definition, it's giftedness. It was given to you. It can be taken away. Leave the success there. And it allows me time to drive. Usually by that time, about 3, 3.30 in the afternoon, it's an empty campus. And I'm allowed just to drive and just once again be amazed that I get to do this. I am at the end of the weekend. And here's the problem with spiritual math. The same math equation has two different answers. Taking what happened on the weekend can leave you either prideful because you can make it about you, or it can leave you depressed. It's the same bad math. They're both sin issues. They're both taking what happened on the weekend and making and putting you too much in the equation. And so I would challenge you to have something at the end of the weekend that you can walk or drive that's part of your pattern that allows you to lay it down. Before I get off the other side of the campus, I really want to leave what happened there behind Thank God, be amazed, get over yourself, whether you didn't like it or you liked it too much, and realize you're a tool, in the best sense of the word, in the master's hands. And the guy used the donkey to talk to people. I guarantee you that would grow a church today faster than anything you're doing. People will show up to the talking donkey. I mean, they'll drive. So the moment you think it's about you and your giftedness, you're probably not in the most useful spot you could be. So I would say at the end of every weekend, have something, and I'm big on having something tangible to walk through, do, just to always get it out and go, That God, thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'll be amazed if anybody shows up again next weekend.
4: That's good. Oh. We're out of time, but what I'd love is, Dennis, would you pray for our brothers and sisters in the room here before we head out to our breakouts? Absolutely, great.
3: yes, I would love to. Father, thank you. Thank you for the servants that are in this room that uh, want to serve you, their hearts uh, and their desires to make you be able to be seen and heard uh, by people across the country. I thank you. I just pray, Father, that um, there are people in their lives that can watch over them, connect with them, Lift them up when they need to be lifted up. Give them critique when they need to be critiqued. I just pray for an honest, real relationship that can make them a better person, whoever that person may be, Father. Thank you again for their hearts and what they do for you in the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: a lot of good stuff in here, but I loved what Chris talked about regarding introverts and extroverts. He said, and I quote, let's not use how God made us as an excuse to not love others, end quote. Uh, For those of us who are introverts, you know what? We need to get out of the booth and care about people. It's so easy to just sit behind whatever console you're working on and expect people to come to you, you know, all those extroverts. But saying hello and caring about people's lives is what Jesus' example teaches us to do. And just because you're a quiet tech person doesn't give you a pass, doesn't give me a pass. Uh, It's just such a great reminder. And it's, you know, it's so great to remember all the good stuff from Philo Conference. Thanks to Chris and Dennis for helping us make Philo so stinking awesome. And especially Dennis for talking Chris into coming to Philo in the first place. I mean, I asked Chris, but it was really Dennis who got him there. Uh, Anyway, you'll be able to hear Chris's session four closing message. When we release the main session talks on video, We also have audio recordings of the breakout classes coming pretty soon. So keep checking in on our website, www.firstinlastout.us for updates on when all that will be live. So anyway, uh, hey, for the podcast, if you got ideas, send us an email, podcast at fusion.productions. And then give us a review on iTunes. That would really help us out. So see you next time.